Maggie. There, Sean. And I do have a question for you, Maggie. Just say it. I don't care anymore. <laughs> I started this. I'm gonna have to. You created this monster. I know. I started it originally. I guess that's our sign-in now. Are you ready, kids? Aye, aye, Captain. I'm just resigned. There's like no now. emotion in your voice. I'm just resigned to this fate. Okay. All right. What did we watch today? We watched SB129 and Atlantis Square Pantis. Damn right. We sure did. <laughs> um, but before we get into that, we have some news from the world of sports. Uh, SpongeBob was invited to the Super Bowl. He was rumored to be invited yeah, to yeah. the Super Bowl. Yeah, rumors were flying around that our man, SpongeBob, was going to be at the Super Bowl, but no one watched. Um, <laughs> I certainly didn't watch it. <laughs> well, they started to watch it, and then it was bad, and then they were just like, well, bye. Yeah, it's because SpongeBob didn't show up. He was actually, he was going <laughs> to single-handedly... <laughs> Uh, he was going to single-handedly save the Super Bowl. He was going to be the third team, the secret third team, where it's just one person, you know? You know, like you have. Like you have, and he was going to um, win the Super Bowl. It was going to be our first ever aquatic victory. So, obviously, we had Maroon 5 show up, and they didn't sing Sweet Victory. I don't know what they actually sang, but I know the main guy took his shirt off, and everyone got mad. Because they did not want to see that shit. They did not care. No. And everyone was like, so Janet Jackson can't show her nipples, but this clown can. Okay. What I really wanted to see was Spongebob's nipples. That's what I wanted to see from this. That's your thing, huh? Yeah, that's my thing. Does he have them? Where are they located? Is it a sort of utter situation? (laughs) Why would there be udders on a sponge? I don't know. You think you're going to milk a sponge? He's not a mammal, but we've seen... We've all seen Shark Tale. I haven't. I don't know what you're talking about. You haven't seen Shark Tale? I don't know what Shark Tale is. Just don't watch it. It's okay. It's really bad. Is there udders on a sponge? No, but there's titties on a fish. I'm pretty sure. Let me look it up. Of course there is. Shark Tale. Let me look at images for Shark Tale. Where's the female characters? Okay, they're not exactly titties, but she's extremely curvy. Like, uncomfortably curvy. That's how they do That's it. That's how they do it. That's how they did it with the Stitch's counterpart. This is an extremely sexual fish. She has a lot of erotic energy. That's unnecessary, and that makes me <laughs> So, what I really want to know is when will we see it in the sponge community? So, I really just wanted to see Spongebob's nipples, and I'm really disappointed. Why did they make Shark Tale? Why did they make anything? Why did they make an erotic fish? That's just how- that's just Hollywood, baby. Sex sells. Sexy fish sell. I don't understand. You're never gonna make it in Hollywood, I'm sorry. If you don't understand- the erotic fish good thing i don't want to make it in hollywood (laughs) it's the same reason they had the sexy squirrel in ice age like ice age 11 or whatever it was oh i never watched past like the first two good i don't consume a lot of movies 
Well, if you did consume a lot of movies, you would know sexy fish are hot right now. Of course. Yeah. You got to key into that extreme fetish. That real niche fetish. You got a female character? Give that girl some curves. She's not a mammal? Doesn't matter. She lays eggs, so so childbearing hips are not evolutionarily important? Doesn't matter. Hair doesn't exist? Doesn't matter. Give her a ponytail so we all know she's female. Can't have us thinking that our, prota- our male protagonist is gay. I can't handle this. <laughs> it makes Give me her so some long ass eyelashes, a curvaceous body, and a ponytail. It's the only way we can be sure. I need you to go into Hollywood, Hollywood and fuck it up. <laughs> okay. I'm going to break Just in with my sexy fish prototypes, and then once I'm in... Just right before, like right before it airs, just swap it up. Yeah, yeah. It'd be like, if you still want my work, you gotta take the boobs off that fish. I'm sorry. Put them on a sponge instead. Because <laughs> <laughs> that's my real goal all along. <laughs> it's the only reason I'm a creative writing major. I want to see SpongeBob's nipples. <laughs> To break into the industry. <laughs> it's a long con, I know, but I think I can hack it. Our professors would be so proud. <laughs> I know. <laughs> like they don't have their own ulterior motives. Come on. Yeah, I'm sure their ulterior motives are putting putting nipples on a sponge. They all have their weird shit. Mine is boobs on a sponge. All right, and aliens. But we don't have to get, into, have that to get into that one. Anyway, SB129. That was... <laughs> we're ten minutes in. Let's get to the... <laughs> How's that intro? <laughs> it's great. What are you talking about? I love it. I don't regret a single second of it. I mean, to be fair, four minutes of it is going to be cut out because it was just train. Yeah, it was a lot of train. Maybe we should welcome the train into our podcast. Have it be our third host. So, SB... One, two, nine. Also known as the future episode of Spongebob. So it starts out with uh, the narrator being mean to Squidward. That's true. He was like, Squidward's about to play the clarinet, so get your earplugs. Squidward never gets a chance to practice, so of course he's not going to get better. You know, art is like relative, man. But he like opens up his window and he's like, oh yeah, I'm going to grace Bikini Bottom with my music. (laughs) At seven... In the morning, and then Spongebob's foghorn, which, why would he face the foghorn out, like, away from him? It's so violent. You can't have it hitting him directly. It would kill him instantly. So he's just going to have it shatter his windows and destroy Squidward's house? Yes. Also, this, like, reminded me of my roommate's alarm clock. Ooh, I forgot about that. (laughs) Like, I felt like I watched that scene and I had such vivid flashbacks that I had to just stop (laughs) for a moment. (laughs) We love you, roommate who's not going to be named because you probably wouldn't want that. But goddamn that alarm clock. They're my best, like, they're still a very good friend. I hated that alarm (laughs) clock with a fucking passion. (laughs) Because they did not wake up from that alarm clock. I woke up from that alarm <laughs> clock, and then I yelled at them. Yeah, to be fair, they sleep like the dead. Even more so oh, than yeah. you. 
They fall into a fucking coma. One time you had to wake up and I threw a shoe at you, and that did nothing. <laughs> I'm sorry. I come from a like a seven seven child household with like four animals in the house at any it's given evolution, time. It's evolution, man. You had to be a heavy sleeper. I had to, to learn survive. how to sleep like the dead. Yeah. That which is saying something that this one When did you up. throw a shoe at me? You wouldn't know because you were asleep. <laughs> you slept through yeah, it. Yeah, I'm curious of when you threw shoes. You had to go to class. <laughs> you weren't waking up. Or maybe you had to go to a meeting. That's... I don't remember. Did I skip the meeting? I don't remember. It was years ago, but I did. I vividly remember throwing a shoe at you. That is something you remember. That's something I would remember. Yeah, if you were conscious for it. <laughs> okay, so this foghorn. <laughs> <laughs> Almost to the level of Sean's old roommate's alarm clock. Um, the force of the sound waves, like, knocks Squidward's clarinet back into his throat, which is a disturbing image, especially when the foghorn repeats and further impales him. And it's just a cycle. Keep throating his clarinet. It's really bad to view and didn't like that. Gotta say. Yeah, it was it was terrible. It was really bad. Gotta say, was not a fan. And then he's just, like, screaming through his clarinet because, boy, Spongebob just wakes up, already dressed. Yep. Ready to go in, like, a way that I'm jealous of <laughs> because it takes me, like, two minutes to realize I'm even alive. I know, I've seen it. I've gotten better, but it still takes me a minute. Yeah. And he's like, hey, you want to go jellyfishing? <laughs> he does. He doesn't care that he's like killing Spun- Squidward. Nope. His only objective is to go jellyfishing. He's just not a very self-aware person, which should probably work on a little bit. He assumes Squidward's like frantic tooting <laughs> is tooting. his agreement, and he's like, "Oh, we'll be, we'll be over." And he barely has time to walk down the stairs. And they are hammering on the door. My favorite bit is when he says, get out of here. And he shoves them into his own home and then exits his home as if he was just momentarily turned about. I enjoyed that. And he ends up asking SpongeBob why he isn't at work. And SpongeBob replies, oh, well, I'd love to be at work, but... The Krusty Krab is closed. It's Sunday. Which made me think, is Mr. Krabs a religious man? Is this like how the Chick-fil-A is closed on Sundays for religious reasons? Does he donate money to anti-gay organizations? (laughs) That wouldn't surprise me in the slightest. He's such a terrible man. If you were going to donate money anywhere, that's where it would go. That's true. (laughs) I don't imagine he'd donate money. Like, even to hate groups, I don't no. think he'd donate money. Maybe he's, like, a spokesman for them, and he just publicly goes out and says, By the way, I hate the gays. Just thought you would all want to know. Just in case you were curious. I support the family that is one crab and one whale. That's what a family is supposed to look like. He was going after Mrs. Puff. In one That's episode. true. Maybe he's insecure. He's like, I want the perfect nuclear family, but I'm so unlikable and sad that no one would ever want me. 
God, I hate him. He just wants love. I hate him so much. So Squidward realizes, oh, the Krusty Krab is closed. Maybe I can go there to practice the clarinet in peace. And he's like, once again, about to practice. And then he hears SpongeBob and Patrick calling his name. He runs to hide in the freezer. Like a walk-in freezer. And, you know, he hides there for a minute and he goes to open the door and it's locked. Dude, I gotta say... I once had to go into a deep freezer to get some frozen strawberries. It was cold as shit. And all I could think of was that episode. This episode where Squidward gets stuck. And I was like, I hope I don't die. I have to go into the deep freezer all the time to like go grab bread or go grab cookies. And like it'll be easily negative three degrees. It never gets up above about five degrees. I'll like constantly think like, well... There's a chance that this will dislock and I'll die. Yep. Hopefully they'll come and look for me, but maybe <laughs> that not. That was my favorite part when he was like, someone will come look for me. I'm going to be fine. And then they smash cut to the time card 2000 years later. It's just like, where where were they getting their food? I guess they never go in there. With, or maybe they went in there and he was already frozen and they just ignored his frozen body. <laughs> Yeah, they were just like, fuck, like, screw this guy. I don't care. Oh, calamari. That's fun. <laughs> <laughs> Imagine how freezer burnt that food was. Don't want to eat at the Krusty Krab. The door eventually, like, rusts off the hinges. Yep. And he falls down and he has been, like, frozen into a block of ice. And we see a SpongeBob floating down the hallway with, like, two flame jets piloting him out of instead of legs. Yeah, he doesn't have legs. And he, like, sort of passes over Squidward for a moment, and then he goes back because he realizes what he's seen. Yeah, and he says, A frozen cephalopod! Greetings, primitive! Which is kind of insulting. Yeah, after he grabs, like, this hammer that just, like, instead of, like, tapping him with it, it's, like, a laser at the end? Yeah, it's, like, so technologically advanced, it looks like a hammer... But it's actually a laser. <laughs> like mm-hmm. a laser comes out of the hammer. And he like brings it down like he's about to smash it on him. But no. No, he's just going to like melt him. Yeah. Then it hits his butt and he gets hurt. And that's funny. <laughs> so Squidward's like, so is there more of you? And he's like, oh yeah, there's also Sponge- SpongeTron X, Y, and Z. Yep. He's like. Is the whole alphabet involved? And he's like, of course. All 426 letters. Yeah. That was good. I'm like, cool. So there's a new alphabet. Which is fine. I mean, lots of different cultures have different alphabets with different, you know, sounds. Which makes me think, does that mean that language itself has expanded? Or are we just, like, being more minute about the sounds that human beings are capable of creating? Do you know what I mean? I mean, I feel like with the future, we've if they've come up with new, like, inventions and they've advanced, they've had to come up with new, like, language to, mm-hmm. like, explain it. So I'm sure language has advanced a little bit. Well, yeah, there's language itself, but you could just come up with new words that are different combinations of the existing alphabet. Coming up with new, like, sounds. Mm-hmm. I don't know, that sort of suggests, like, maybe an alien species 
like, came down and had their whole uh, way of speaking integrated into the English language. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Well, I mean, they've had to make a couple new sounds because there's 400 new letters. Exactly, that's what I'm saying. But, like, other languages on Earth have more or less letters in the English alphabet because they have different Mm -hmm. mouth sounds. So, aliens. (laughs) Aliens. That's a lot of... I'm saying that's a lot of phonemes. Wait. Wait. This is an audio medium, Sean. Get out of here with that shit. (laughs) I know it's an audio medium. We can always post screenshots on the Twitter. Sean just messed up their hair to make it look like that guy from that show, from that meme. There's nothing that says we can't post screenshots. Did you take a screenshot, Sean? Uh, your photo, your side is bigger. Do it again. The the thing. Hang on. Okay, I took it. Aliens. Post that on Twitter, I guess. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) So that's my fan theory. Uh, Please. Uh, subscribe to my YouTube channel where I talk about conspiracy theories involving aliens. So what happens next? Oh, Squidward has a panic attack. Oh yeah, as yeah. most of us would. He just sort of crawls up on the, in a like a fetal position and sort of like does curls. Yeah, he does like curl ups, <laughs> and that's. What does SpongeBob do? Does he hit him on the head with like a baseball bat, or is it the hammer again? No, he like opens up his hat and drops a brick. Oh yeah, that's very advanced future technology. Oh yeah, you don't talk people down from a panic attack. My favorite part of that whole interaction is when Squidward just sort of pleasantly smiles at him and says, "Thanks." (laughs) That made me laugh. Yeah. Okay. Uh, and so he's desperate to get back to his own time, claiming that he does not belong here. Um, and so SpongeBob directs him to the time machine room. Also, my other, one of my favorite bits from here, he's like, oh yeah, it's down the hallway in the room on the left. And, uh, he goes into the room and like comes back out and he's just in ribbons. Yeah. There's like, like, oh, that was the can opener room. Try the door on the right. It's the future, Sean. You really think we're not going to have rooms made of can openers in the future? Get your head out of the ground. I'm going to buy a house. <laughs> That's wishful thinking. I'm never going to afford a house. <laughs> Too lofty a dream. <laughs> uh, I'm going to rent a ditch. <laughs> I'm going to rent a ditch. And in one of the little mud holes, I'm going to have just a room... It's made up of, like, swinging blades. Yeah. Th- that I open my cans with. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. <laughs> uh, so, Squidward is thinking to himself, well, SpongeBob's in both the present and the future, so if I want to avoid him completely, I'm going to go to the past. And there's, like, caves and prehistoric animals... And then there's Spongebob and Patrick, but they're like Neanderthals. And they're like grabbing his arm and like trying trying to talk to him, but like mm-hmm. it's not quite working. And so he like wanders off to like practice because all the boy wants is to be able to play his clarinet. Yep. And uh, 
every time he starts, they he hears this screaming pickup. But he wanders back over to him to realize that they are grabbing onto a jellyfish, oh, yeah. getting stung by it, and throwing it over to the other one. Yeah, it's like hot potato, but... Actually, it's exactly like hot potato. <laughs> They're being harmed. But electrified. Electric potato. Electric potato, that's good. He's like... Give me your loincloths. Yeah, they're both wearing loincloths. And to keep this PG, they take it off like... It's like a, how you take a sticky note off of like the pack of sticky notes. They got like a bunch of sticky notes <laughs> as their loincloths. They just rip one off and there's still more. Yeah. Again, they're censoring SpongeBob. Can't see... Can't see the bits... I don't want to see Spongebob's bits. <laughs> when, That's my limit. When will the censorship end is all I want to know. That's when this show this will PC end. This PC culture is tearing us apart. <laughs> <laughs> you want to go too far. Yes. Not far enough. And so he like turns around for a moment and then he turns back around and he's got jellyfish nets he's turned the loincloths like into the net part like tied them to a stick yeah. so it's like a net and he hands it back to them and he's like here this should make things easier yeah and they but he doesn't like show them he just expects them to figure it out they like balance it in between like their nose and their lip just sort of acts like they're idiots which fair fair but like they didn't know i mean before they were just grabbing this jellyfish with their hands pretty idiotic and so he shows them how to catch it with a jellyfish net, which I wonder if he hadn't shown them how to do that, how that would have affected the future. Oh, it would have been the apocalypse instead. It would have been like, <laughs> they all would have been dead had it not been for the invention of jellyfishing. That's the butterfly yeah, effect. Yeah, it's a jellyfish effect. The jellyfish <laughs> effect. You're so right. Thank you. And so he goes back off to go play his clarinet. And my episode cut out at this time, or maybe my attention span did. I'm not sure. <laughs> oh, no. Um, but I'm pretty sure, from my memory, he went back off to go play his clarinet. And this just enraged the two. Yes. And so they chase after him. Like, they're going to hunt him oh, down. Oh, they're, they're out for blood. For sport. They're out for blood. They were going to murder him. So maybe for meat. And he runs back to the time machine. And he, like, breaks off the handle and enters into, like, the middle ground in between realities. It it was like the first dimension. You know how the second dimension, it's like everything's flat. Then the first dimension is like... Everything's nothing. Everything's nothing. Exactly. <laughs> so you sort of see the time machine itself, like, go completely 2D and then just sort of cave in on Wander itself. Wander away. Yeah. Which was fun, visually speaking. And there's just these, like, flat squares of color that he can just, like, flip up. And he's like, oh, I'm just completely, I can finally be completely alone. And then he's, as soon as he says alone, it, like, appears into a bubble, like, that says alone. Like a speech bubble. Yeah. And then they just say alone in a couple different ways. They, meaning... A bunch of different voices. Really weird, like disembodied voices like this dimension is haunted or something yeah it's really weird and creepy and like one of the most memorable spongebob moments 
in his, yeah. in all of SpongeBob canon. And he starts to panic about being alone. Which I felt this. This is how I felt every time I was stuck in my dorm room when I mm. was in a single dorm room. Can't in my live alone. Year. We might die. <laughs> yeah, if I was stuck in my my dorm room by myself for longer than about hmm, four hours. Same dude. I just start like lying on the ground and dissociating. It got better. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> so I would just track down you usually. Yeah. Be yeah. like, hey. Please help. You want coffee? <laughs> do you want Do you want to hang out? I fear the void. I need human I I need human interaction or I'll die. <laughs> I fear the gaping void will soon consume my soul. Yeah. Please help. Yeah, basically. And so he's like I just want to go home and he like smashes the floor and falls into the time machine. Yeah. Which is sort of an interesting implication because the floor is just an expanse of nothingness he's like in a white void with nothing really around him so he smashes the white void i guess and then breaks through he smashed just the right square if he smashed anywhere else he would have fallen into the actual void into nothingness forever (laughs) lucky that would have been that would have been a series wrap on squidward yeah (laughs) god And so the handle is still broken and he's just hammering the wall and he's like, I want to go home. I miss my life. I miss my Easter Island head. Very Dorothy of him. (laughs) Nice. I even miss Spongebob. And that seems to be like the key. Yeah. He had to miss Spongebob. He had to appreciate what he had. So he could go home. Yeah. He appears right in front of Spongebob and Patrick, who are like holding a jellyfish, I think. Well, they're nets, at least. Yeah, they're at least holding their nets. And they're like, oh, are you ready to go jellyfishing? And he's like, no, I'm not ready to go jellyfishing. What what barnacle had even created jellyfishing? And they, like, stop for a moment and think. He's like, you, Squidward. God. So that's the episode. How would, how would you yeah. rate it? Seven out of ten time machines. Yeah. Because, like, I mean, it was a good episode. And I feel like there was definitely some iconic moments. Oh, we forgot. I'm pretty sure at one there's like one scene that became a meme in here. The alone? Where's No, not the alone, uh the the Neanderthal SpongeBob like freaking out, just like like defense stance in front yeah, of Patrick. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. Where he <laughs> he's like got his I'm pretty sure that's a meme. No, you're right, it is a meme. Just that picture of him. It's like a reaction. It's very raw emotion <laughs> in that yeah. image, that frame. Does that? All right, I'll give it seven rating? and a half because it has a meme. <laughs> I feel like it could have done, like it did teach Squidward how to enjoy what he had, mm-hmm. but like he could have learned more about the future or about the past. I feel like they were sort of like rushing through things. That's true, but there's only so much you can do in eleven minutes. That's true. They went to the future, the past, and the unknown factor. Yeah, they they sort of had to rush. Yeah. Uh, well, yeah, I guess they did pretty good with what they had. Mm-hmm. I'll bump it up to an eight and a half. Yeah. I was thinking somewhere in that range, too. Like an eight or a nine. It's just really, really good. 
I think it was just really like the first two minutes that I was like, all right, guys. Yeah, the first two minutes are real slow. Yeah. Like, I didn't like seeing the violence perpetrated against Squidward with the clarinet and the very typical, like, isn't Spongebob so annoying? Look at how annoying he is. That That sort of gets old fast. That's what sort of, like dampened the episode for me yeah is that those first two minutes just like dragged but the rest of it gold rest of it's good yeah rest of it's really good good. i feel like this is a very iconic episode oh for sure all right what do we got next an extremely long episode yeah i didn't realize when i suggested this one that it was that (laughs) long It was 42 minutes long. You said the music wasn't bad, and I want to say. I said it was a musical episode. No, you specifically said said the music was not that bad. Some of the songs were good, and I want to say. No. (laughs) They were all bad. Every single song was bad. (laughs) You good? I'm looking up the. The conversation. <laughs> Get those receipts. I'm getting those receipts. I'll look it up too, man. Damn it. And if I remember, the music isn't half bad. Yeah! It's a, but it's been a hot minute since I've seen it. <laughs> that doesn't change the fact it should that you were be wrong. <laughs> because Atlantis Square Pantis is a fucking wild episode and it's a musical. And the songs aren't. I was not bad. wrong there. It is a wild episode. I mean, yeah, it was some sort of like Willy Wonka hellscape. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> but the songs were bad. They just sung about their inner desires. Well, their outer desires too. Really, they don't really hide their desires in the show. No, it's all very apparent. There's no need to go that deep. No. It's a children's cartoon. <laughs> the only people who are going that deep are us. That's true. God, what have we become? All right, so this is my first viewing of this one, if you could not tell. Mm, this has been, like, my third viewing. <laughs> oh, God, okay. I'm sorry. <laughs> it wasn't bad. It wasn't bad. The songs were just terrible, but the actual episode was, like, fine. So it starts out with, like, Patrick and Squidward, or Pat- no. Patrick and SpongeBob. Nope. before that. Before that? Patchy the pirate. Oh, God, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I try to, like, blink him out of my mind. Fair. But some of it was okay, especially in this beginning part with Patchy and Patchy the pirate and Potty the parrot. God, that alliterates so much. Okay. Yeah, so Patchy is stuck in traffic, and, like, he's getting... He's, like, in a boat. It's, like, a yeah, he's... very small pirate ship. Yeah, he's getting real heated because he's stuck in traffic, and he's gonna miss out on the spongebob episode yeah uh potty calls him and he's like oh well can you record the episode for me you know you know how much this means to me oh yeah no he screams you know how important this cartoon is to me which i felt on a very visceral (laughs) level (laughs) yeah yeah he's like but potty apparently like tried to make toast in the vcr or whatever oh i didn't catch that Okay. He did He did something so it's impossible to record it now. Yeah. My favorite part was when the traffic started moving again, and he was like, oh, 
I gotta get going. And he spends, like, a whole minute, like... Uh, Yanking dra- up this rusty old anchor. Yeah, I was like, okay, that's actually clever. <laughs> yeah. Okay. And he gets all the way back to his house, only to realize that there is just a desert, barren wasteland. And he's like, no, Encino is gone. Yeah, he lives somewhere called Encino, which I guess is in California. I assume so. I assume, and it's like a desert wasteland. That's where we leave Patchy the Pirate in this intro. Yeah, he's like, I remember another episode where they have a lost city. Let me tell you about it. Yeah, then we fade in to... Spongebob and Patrick blowing bubbles. Yeah. This was interesting. Because they start with Spongebob blowing bubbles and Patrick trying to capture it on a camera. But they always pop before he's able to... They, like, pop as soon as, like, the flash of the camera. It might have been the flash that popped them. They're in a well-lit field. True. And then Spongebob breaks into this song about how existence is fleeting and the (laughs) (laughs) modern art is all about um, the the temporary nature of beauty, which was kind of weird. I think the song is called A Bubble That Will Last All Day. Nothing quite like questioning your existence after watching a Spongebob cartoon. Yeah, yeah. Which I was like, okay, that's interesting. I wonder where they'll go with this theme. (laughs) (laughs) they conclude this song which was like fine it was not memorable i could not tell you the tune of it if you put a gun to my head (laughs) no i i don't know that i could either no so spongebob is like okay i'm gonna try to blow a bubble that will last all day which sort of contradicts everything that he just talked about, about the fleeting nature of art. (laughs) Yeah. But yeah, so he attempts to do this, and he blows a huge bubble that encompasses both he and Patrick, and for whatever reason, carries them into, like, a cave. They end up in this cave where they discover this, like, half of this, like, golden coin. Yeah. And it just says Antis. Antis. And he's like... Patrick immediately jumps to these outlandish conclusions. He's like, Antis? It must Square Pantis? Square Pantis. This is your birthright, SpongeBob. Which is like, okay, are we doing like some kind of YA novel where SpongeBob's the chosen one? Yup. He's like, you have to wear this now. And then slams it into the side of SpongeBob's face. Yeah, it looked very painful. Yeah, like, you can't wear this as a crown. No, there, were, like, no. there was no other way. He's like, we should go to the Bikini Bottom History Museum and see if they can tell us anything about it. And so we flash forward to the History Museum. Oh, and we see Mr. Krabs there first. Oh, yeah. And he's, like, pretending to be, like, an employee there and taking people's admissions And this old lady is like, but it's free on Tuesdays. And he's like, ah, but today is Monday. Otherwise, how could you explain that I'm wearing this I Hate Mondays t-shirt? And she's like, well, can't argue with that. (laughs) I guess. But then he gets found out. He's like, see ya. I got $3 out of this. Yeah, (laughs) that that was the extent of his exploits. 
So he decides when he gets found out that he needs to flee. And so for whatever reason, he runs into the museum, which is sort of like running upstairs in a horror movie. Oh, yeah. But my favorite part of this whole thing is when Squidward says, oh, you have the Atlantean amulet. And they're like, the Atlantean omelet? <laughs> <It's> the... <laughs> that's my favorite part of the whole episode, bar none. <laughs> like, yeah. That's where it peaks, I I think. And then it just sharply declines. Unfortunately, it's all downhill from this moment. <laughs> So, when they discover that this is actually the missing half of the Atlantean omelette, uh, Squidward just dives into this exposition dump, talking about the lost city of Atlantis and how their technology and art skills are so advanced. And I think I fell asleep a little bit there. Yeah, all their technology comes from Atlantis, which just disappeared one day, but they've never been able to find the ruins. Yeah. And, like, their streets are lined with gold, and the diamonds make up for their light bulbs, which immediately drew Mr. Krabs in. Yeah, so he has his motivation, then Sandy has her motivation because they're scientifically advanced, and then SpongeBob and Patrick finally have their motivation. When they see this, like, dusty little bubble over in the corner. They're like, oh, it's the longest living bubble. So they put the amulet together, which summons, like... A tour bus sort of looking thing. It's got like yeah. flames on the side. Very Guy Fieri. Very Guy Fieri. Very Guy Fieri. And they board this bus. This little like Roomba comes out. It's like, it's a nonstop trip to Atlantis. And they had it's a like... moment where they were like, oh yeah, free your freshmen, etc., etc. And Squidward is like, I would kill for a foot rub. And then, like, little, like, robot hands come out of the floor and start massaging his feet. So I'm going to have to look at who wrote this (laughs) real quick. (laughs) We have another fetish alert. In our segment, we like to call Spongebob fetish alert. (laughs) I didn't even catch that one. That one slipped right underneath my radar. I might just be very... Attuned. Attuned to it. So we've got Paul Tibbet... Aaron Springer, Steve Banks, Casey Alexander, and the re- reappearance... Casey Alexander. Casey Alexander and Zeus Servas. All right, guys. Yep. Looking at you. Looking at you. Yep. If we're keeping track. We're marking that up on the board. If you're keeping score at home, folks, that's a lot of fetishes. So... Speaking of fetishes, <laughs> I have more. <laughs> So we <laughs> maybe fix that sentence, Maggie. Oh yeah, uh, there are more. <laughs> I have more to talk about. <laughs> Shut up. <laughs> okay. So they learned that the only way to move the bus is through song. So they start singing about why they want to go to Atlantis. Sandy talks about how. In Atlantis, they won't care about your looks. They'll only care about your brains. And so she, like, douses herself in this potion or elixir, some sort of substance that's green and weird looking. And the only effect that I could see is that she sort of had a weird clone of herself that was, like, sexy. She's sort of split in two. Yeah, it's like mitosis. 
But one of them was hot, and one of them had, like, a Jimmy Neutron head. They get in this bus, and SpongeBob starts them out, and they all sing about their individual desires. Sandy wants the science and also to have a sexy clone of herself, apparently. Squidward wants the art. SpongeBob just wanted to see the world's oldest bubble. Yeah. Mr. Krabs wanted, uh... Money, money, money. Money, money, money. And then you see somehow Plankton has worked his way into the glove department, glove, glove compartment. The glove, glove department, department where they handle all the gloves in that department. Uh, which I don't know how he could have gotten into the glove compartment in like the two seconds that they were on that bus. I don't know, man. Just don't question. <laughs> Guess not. He's like, oh yeah, I'm going to find a weapon of mass destruction and I'll just take over the world. Like, okay. Okay. And then, like, they throw it off to Patrick. And Patrick's like, I'm Patrick, and I don't know what I want. It's kind of an existential yeah. dread that we rarely see. And, like, instead of taking over from him to, like, keep this bus going, they just let it nosedive through a wall, through the, the garden, right up to the doorstep. And then Squidward immediately blames it on everybody else. Then this guy shows up. What's his name? He's like the royal... Lord Royal Highness. Yeah, L-R-H for short. Because of the Scientology, L. Ron Hubbard. L. Ron Hubbard. L-R-H. What? (laughs) I don't know that it's a reference to that, but that's how I remember it. But it's the same. Oh, it's gotta be a reference to that if that's what he's called. I just remember it because I was recently listening to Ono Ross and Carrie and their episode on it. But I thought this guy's voice sounded a little bit too, like, out of place for a Spongebob episode. And sort of, like, a little bit familiar at the same time. Do you want to guess who it is? Because I looked it up. I looked it up already. I know who it is. Do you want to guess? I don't know. I feel like I should know, but I don't know. David Bowie. (sighs) (laughs) I should have known that. So, yeah, David Bowie introduces them to the world of Atlantis and sort of takes them on a walk. Uh, a tour. And Mr. Krabs is immediately disillusioned because the streets are not made of gold. The light bulbs are not diamonds, which I don't know how that would even work. Yeah, he like pulls Squidward to the side and he's like... Diamonds don't shine, Rihanna. Rihanna, diamonds don't shine. They reflect the existing light around them, Rihanna. First of all, Rihanna, <laughs> go back to science class, Rihanna. <laughs> Breathe. Sorry. Just calm down. <laughs> I won't. I won't forgive her for this. I was, like, getting real upset with Mr. Krabs because, like, he, like, mm-hmm. pulls Squidward aside and he's like, the sidewalks are not paved with gold and we are not seeing the treasury. And he, like steps on Squidward's neck and head so he can, like, unscrew a light bulb to see if it's made of diamonds. And it's not, obviously. So Mr. Krabs, like, falls down off of Squidward's shoulders. And suddenly, like, Mr. Krabs goes through, like, this weird spasm. He's like, I sense something. I know that smell. And, like, his pockets start acting like rabid dogs. Like, they're, like, personified and they, like, have teeth. Mm -hmm. It's weird. And they, like, start dragging him, and they end up in this room that's, like, piled high with, like, 
golden coins and like jewels and stuff. This dude is super chill about it. He's like, yeah, we realized that all this wealth is worthless, so you can have as much as you can fill your pockets with. I mean, to be fair, they've been a lost city for how long? Yeah, like commerce isn't really an issue. Yeah. Also, one joke that I nearly missed was that uh, he's like, oh, your pockets are really good at sniffing this out. He's like, thanks. They're my hound tooth pants. I don't get it. His They're what? hound tooth. They're like hounds. Is that a type of pants? Yeah. Okay. I didn't know that. So I didn't get the joke. And so he's like, oh, yeah, we're, we're moving on now. He's like... Oh, well, you can just leave me behind. I'm going to I'm going to chill. But before they do, he sings a song about money and how if he had known that this is what they were going to do today, he would have just like swung by his tailors and had them sew on like 10 more pockets. Yeah, and at this point I was sort of getting like Willy Wonka vibes from this whole situation. Oh, yeah. Cuz like are they? I was like, are they gonna be picked off one by one, and then have a song that is like their exit song? Yeah, really. But no, they were never in danger. Cause I was like trying really hard to like assign the seven deadly sins to all of them. Um, <laughs> uh, Mr. Krabs was obviously greed. greed, and then I said Plankton was wrath. Patrick was sloth. Um. I said Sandy was pride, which doesn't really... I couldn't think of anything else that would fit with her. So when you start trying to force the labels onto them, then it's probably not Yeah, it doesn't really meant work. To be. But I tried. Oh, I wanted to talk about the uh, the animation style they used for Mr. Krabs' little song and dance number. Like, there was a moment in the song where he, like, went inside of a dollar bill... And the animation was, like, sort of, like, puppety animation, where he was being moved around like a, like he was a puppet. And the scribbles was, like, the print on a dollar bill, and it was obviously green background <laughs> to signify American money. So I thought that was yeah. fun. I mean, it was a cool design. So they're moving on down, and they end up in the science labs. And S- yeah. Sandy's immediately like, hell yeah. They walk over to this one machine, and he's like, Oh yeah, you can turn any household item into ice cream. So he takes his comb out of his pocket, pops it in there, and he's and it turns into like this pink ice cream. And he's like, "Does anybody want to try it?" And of course, SpongeBob and Patrick yeah. are like, "Sure." And yeah, it's kind of weird. They try it, and it's like, "Oh, it's comb flavored." And it's like, "What? What does comb taste like?" gotta try it to find out (laughs) i will never there's no part of me that would ever be willing to try something that touched someone's hair that was liquefied into ice cream just gotta lick it you just gotta lick any old comb hell no you gotta find out (laughs) so then they go to this other sciencey part of the science room and he's like david bowie's like and we have these machines for solving medical problems where we shrink you down so you can physically fight the germs that are infecting people yeah. 
which is like, yeah, sounds good. Sounds like sound science. Sounds perfect. You really got a handle on this, boys. I saw this, I was immediately thinking like, oh, this is like Wonka vision. You know how they shrink down Mike? Yeah, I was getting that vibe too. Put him in the TV. Yeah, I was like, this was like confirming my suspicion that this is just a Willy Wonka ripoff. But um, it was more like a video game than a TV show, which I guess is sort of like the updated version of the Wonka vision. It's like for video I was also getting that vibe, though, of like that classic trope of like, oh, yeah, we're going to shrink down and pilot ourselves into the sick person to try to figure out what's wrong with them. They've had an a they've had a SpongeBob episode. Like yeah, they that. have. But like they like got into a submarine and went inside Squidward. Was it Squidward? Yeah. Figures. But it ended up being like this like Mario style fight. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They had like a little like she jumped on a germ and killed it and it turned into money. Uh and then there was like a little DDR segment. And the animation was all like pixels, so it was like little eight bit sandy running around jumping on germs yeah. and all the time she was like singing this song each of them had like a song associated with what they were doing that was pretty much just an expansion yeah. of whatever they sung sang on the bus it's like the bus song was the medley yeah. of everything uh and then we have plankton and he sort of he like goes into their arsenal of weapons like, they just have a room full of tanks and shit. Uh, so that was just, like, his whole dilemma. Is that he can't choose which weapon to kill everyone with. Yeah. My favorite line out of that was, like, well, this one matches my shoes. And he's got, like... Does he have shoes? Yeah, he showed his shoes where, like, it was oh. the tread of a tank. I think I was writing which deadly sin I thought belonged to which character when that happened. Nice. I devoted a lot of time to that, and it went nowhere. Nice. Uh, and then we go to Squidward's song, and he's just like, oh, art. Great. <laughs> and they, like, push him inside of the painting, which is sort of like the Super Mario world. Oh, I was thinking of Hogwarts. Oh, that too. And so as soon as he finishes his song, he's standing on... Uh a platform alongside this other Atlantean and the person's like uh can you like stop singing and go away because I'm trying to model and the other people are like which means that they're actually singing you know what I mean you know how in musicals it's like they're singing but in real life they're not really singing it's just a movie representation of their feelings so I never like it when musicals are like self-aware about the singing because it just opens up a whole can of worms yes but they did that anyway. Got to accept them for who they are, I guess. You, you got to take them or you got to leave them. Take me, baby. Or leave me. Rent. Rent. <laughs> Don't like that musical. <laughs> that was my first ever musical that I watched. Really? Yeah, I watched it. Did you like it? Yeah, I really enjoyed it. It was on Netflix. And I watched it. Oh, you watched the movie? Yeah, the movie version of it musical it's just that the characters are bad people (laughs) not great like the lady cheats on her girlfriend the what's her name angel kills all that guy's pets and it's like ha 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 that was not in the music that was not in the movie yes it was you just didn't hear it (laughs) 
I must have missed that part because I don't remember that no, part. She just mentions it. it oh, 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 oh. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I remember that now. Yeah. 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 So kind of when they're all mourning her death and they're like, she was such a good person. I'm in the back of my mind like, was she though? <laughs> but was she though? <laughs> they had their flaws. That's a big flaw. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, what were we talking about? <laughs> um, Squidward posing. Yes, yeah, and he's like the actual model who is posing for a painting. He's like, stop singing. They move on to this bubble, and he's like, oh yeah, this is our most prized relic. It's over a million years old. It's the unpopped bubble. We first brought it here when we colonized this planet. What? They're colonizers? They said they colonized this planet. They're aliens. Oh, shit. Theory confirmed. (laughs) What? Are you kidding me? (laughs) 2,000 years from now, they're going to rise up from their lost city and take over. Yep. They're just gathering themselves. Oh my god. And he's just like, this is our most prized, like he gets really serious, this is our most prized relic. But most importantly, is to have fun. Yeah, then he leaves them to their own devices, which great idea, guy. Yeah, he's (laughs) like, I've got to go prepare for dinner. Right, and so uh, Patrick tries to capture this beauty on camera. And when he clicks the picture with the flash, it pops. And so they're like, aw, shit. (laughs) We popped it. (laughs) And so they go to the dinner afterwards, and they're trying to sort of hide the fact, hide their crime. Yeah, they're just like, we gotta leave. Patrick just blurts it out. Patrick can't lie. And so then they go on this sort of chase where they're being like shot at with like bb guns or whatever yeah sandy uses each of them as like a weapon yeah the only part that i thought was good of this fight scene was when they throw patrick like a ninja star yeah that was pretty good (laughs) that was that was the best okay oh and then part of uh this made me laugh part of spongebob's reasoning for trying to get everyone to go home with him is he's like gary probably misses me and then they cut to gary having a a House wild party. party. Just living it up. It was great. I had to laugh at that. Yeah, that was good. And so their fight scene culminates in Plankton showing up in a tank, and he's about to shoot everyone, but then it turns out it was another ice cream machine, and it was just ice cream. <laughs> yeah, and he said something like, be ready to taste defeat, and then he blasts them with the ice cream, and they're like, defeat tastes delicious. Yeah. So then the Atlanteans just capture Plankton, basically. And they're like, ah, yes, he will be our new prize instead of the bubble. Because yeah. I guess they've never seen, like, a Plankton before. Yeah, he's like, this talking speck will make a wonderful new artifact for the one that you destroyed. And so I guess he's just stuck there forever. Yeah. So then they go home, and they sing a going home song, where Spongebob's the only one who's actually happy to go home. Yeah. And everyone else is like, this sucks. Yeah. I'm going to go back to Atlantis. Yeah. I hate you, Spongebob. I hate you so much, Spongebob. I hate you so freaking much, Spongebob. <laughs> and then some shit happened with Patchy and Potty, but I don't even care. 
No, because there was more aliens. There were aliens. You're so right. Oh, my God. The lore is... <laughs> the lore. The lore is riddled with it aliens. So deep. Oh, my God. So he finds out that the reason that his hometown was gone was because aliens came down and shrank it. And then he's like, please unshrink it. And then they just do it. And that's how it gets resolved. Yeah. Except for <laughs> now Potty is like Godzilla sized. So Potty's like, it's like that episode when they had the, when they had Wombo and they, uh, they had no way to make all the shrink, the shrunken people to go back to normal size. So they just shrank everything. Yeah. But then it turned out that Plankton was on vacation, and he came back to his small town. That was my favorite ending to any Spongebob episode, really, I think. It was such a good episode. It was so good. Um, but yeah, so aliens are real. It, aliens are canon in the Spongebob universe. In the SSCU. And in the MSSCU. Yes! Yes. So. So how would you rate this one, Jonathan? Hmm. Six out of ten. Six out of ten. I mean, it just, like, it didn't... We don't really have enough time. Like, this could have been made into a movie, but we didn't really don't... We don't really want to make it into a movie, so we're not. Right. So, I mean, look at all this stuff. Isn't it neat? Here's the end of the episode. Go home. Yeah. Yeah. I'm gonna say similar... I'm going to give it a 7 because it's a musical and I like musicals. The mu- you you complained about how the music was bad. The music's bad, but it, since it's a musical, I inherently like it anyway. <laughs> <laughs> All right. But it was basically terrible. Like, I thought it was going to be a Willy Wonka ripoff, but, like, they didn't even, they weren't even interesting enough to do that. <laughs> no. I don't have time for that. Any parting thoughts on this one? <laughs> I wish they would have just, like, went the extra mile and made it a movie. They clearly wanted to. They even invited David Bowie. It's like when you, like, are interested in a project and, like, you gather up all the materials and then you, like, procrastinate to the last minute. So you just hand in, like, a really half-assed project. Yeah. And you're disappointed because you knew it could have been better, but, like... The lost potential is sad. But the fact that it's a musical and David Bowie was there, I have to give it a seven. Like, legally. It has to get a seven at least. <laughs> it's just like Labyrinth isn't, like, good, but it's a musical and David Bowie is there. So, like, there's nothing I can do about it. I don't know that I've ever watched a David Bowie movie. That's the only one that I know of. I've seen Labyrinth. bits and pieces of Labyrinth. It's fucking weird. Yeah. <laughs> I highly recommend it. <laughs> yeah. The little bit I've seen of it gave me some nightmare fuel. Yeah, yeah, that's basically the whole movie. <laughs> it's nightmare fuel. Yeah. <laughs> it's not good, but it's a musical and David Bowie was there, so that's an A plus in my book. We should talk about like how we have a Twitter and all oh, that. Oh yeah, we stuff. have one of those. We do. We have a Twitter. We do have a Twitter. We are at Sponge. No, we are at Bob Snobs Pod yes. on the Twitter. And there you can also find our email. You can find uh, Sean's very crazy hair that we will be posting shortly after the episode is uploaded. We can post it now so people are interested in the episode. 
<laughs> That's true. Put a cryptic message under it like, what is this? Watch the episode and you will find out. Aliens are canon in the SSCU. <laughs> Aliens are real. They always have been. Not only in the SSCU and the MSSCU, but also in life. In life. In reality. Um, you also, if you're feeling generous, you could swing on by iTunes or whatever you listen to podcast through and write us give us a rating or write us a review i mean it would be nice if you gave us a five-star rating that way more people could find us and more people you know give us the rating that's in your heart yeah (laughs) (laughs) yeah give us the rating that you feel we deserve honestly yeah. But that way more people could hear about... Honestly, after my talk about Spongebob's nipples, you're justified. <laughs> you're justified. <laughs> um, All right. But that way more people can hear about us talk about Spongebob's nipples and aliens. Yeah, because that's what the world needs right now. <laughs> yeah. You need to hear us complain about Sweet Victory and Spongebob's nipples and yeah. just... Yeah. Enjoy politics. Who's that? We're talking about the real issues here. Yeah. And just <laughs> enjoy SpongeBob with us every other week. God, I don't know what I'm going to cut this down to, but we've almost been recording for two yeah. hours. Well, <laughs> a lot of it can be cut out when. A lot of it is train. Yeah, we can cut Our out third train. Third podcast host. <laughs> All right. This has been Bob Snobs. Thank you for your patronage. Thanks for joining us at our table. And remember, fuck Mr. Krabs. Fuck Mr. Krabs.